For the last 15 years, I've worked side by side with Andrea, my studio manager. She started with me as a photography intern while she was finishing up college. And once she graduated, I didn't let her leave. So what does she do now as the studio manager of Sarah Petty Photography? And how do we work together? That's what this Confessions episode is all about. So the real question is, how are portrait photographers like us able to run a profitable business and still put our families first without selling digital files for cheap and working all the time? I'm Sarah Petty, your host of the Worth Every Penny Joycast. And I went from a stressed out, overworked mama with three babies to being named one of America's most profitable photographers without working my kids' lives away. Each week, I'll show you how to find and serve boutique portrait photography clients in a world where we compete with free thanks to everyone having a digital camera in their pocket. Take the first step to adding more joy and profit to your life by downloading your free photography business tools at joyofmarketing.com forward slash podcast. I know as a photographer, it's hard when you're working all alone and you want to add an employee or you want to get someone to help you. And what I'll tell you is my very first employee that I hired, I had to fire two weeks later and it kind of freaked me out for future hiring. So I spent some time figuring out a little bit of how to do it. And I had this person named Andrea who came in in college on a job shadow day and we just loved her and she was amazing and she kind of worked herself into a job. So here we are 15 years years later she runs this photography business for me and with me and really knows as much about it as I do and so I'm bringing her on today for those of you who are thinking oh my gosh how do I get an Andrea and what would she do for me and and how does all of that work so if you're looking for help you're in the right place today my Andrea, who is so amazing, and it's so funny because everyone in my community is always asking me, how do I get an Andrea? How, how do I get an Andrea? And I know it's not that easy. I know that you all see it's not that easy, but we're here to answer some hard and some kind of fun questions today. Let's just start, Andrea. Why don't you share what you do here at the studio, and um, we'll go from there. Mostly I eat popcorn. <laughs> um, so from the sort of the start of a, of a client cycle, I am returning phone calls, answering the phone, responding to emails. I am prepping consultation forms before they come in and I'm writing notes. Sarah, they said that they're looking for this or they, they mentioned that they know X, Y, and Z person. And then I get it scheduled and then um, we do the consultation. I'm the note taker for the consultation because taking notes while talking is not a strength of Sarah Petty. <laughs> so that happens. Then we're scheduling during the session where I'm helping out. Sometimes we're passing the camera back and forth. I do have a photography degree, so I can do anything that needs to happen. Then the presentation, I put together the presentation. I edit, I call build the presentation for Sarah. She gives it a quick glance over and then she presents it. After that, I'm retouching images, I'm ordering, I'm handling all client communications, I'm meeting with them to for framing. You know, Sarah will come in and she'll give opinions when needed and, uh, you know, packaging stuff up and giving them lots of love and sending them on their way. I think it's 
I think what's pretty cool, Andrew, about you and I is we work together so well as a team. I think we have really good chemistry together. We laugh and we have fun. And I know a lot of times on sessions, because we typically shoot together, um, we'll laugh and what we'll have the same idea at the same time is sort of like we have one one brain. (laughs) Yes, it is kind of freaky when this happens, but our minds have melded together over the 15 years. And um, right before, you know, Sarah's about to do something, I'll say, why don't we do this? And she's already halfway there to to getting that set up and and vice versa. So it makes for a really good, you know, session experience and clients will notice it too. Yeah, I think what's cool too is that you're the half of the brain of mine that's missing. So you remember things that I don't, you take better notes, you keep us on track. The other thing that's really extra special, I'll gush a little bit on Andrea, is that she sort of has that extra sensory um she's just very in tune with our clients she'll say you know I noticed this person seemed to be a little have a little bit of anxiety more than normal maybe maybe when you reach out check in and see if you know everything's okay or she listens right and she'll say oh remember they just got back from a vacation here so that I I can connect right with them instead of being like oh what have you guys been up to she's very good with that and actually one of the things she does on the joy marketing side because she mentioned she does the sales presentations for me is she does something called audibles where she critiques our students sales presentations and gives them the sales psychology that she uses and that we use to help our clients make the decision right because that's what it's about it's not being tricky or smarmy or salesy it's about how can i put these images together in a way that makes it really easy for people to choose and um, Andrea, talk a little bit about building the presentations because I know that's something a lot of people are asking, right? Sarah posted and she said, I know I need a studio manager, but I'm anxious about handing things over. And I know in the beginning I was nervous, like, oh my gosh, someone's going to be culling and editing my images and building my presentations. No one possibly could do this as, as well as I can. And I remember instantly I was like, okay, you're like 90% there very quickly. And then there were a few weeks and now we practically don't even communicate about it I mean what what are your thoughts on like we I don't think it took us that long to get to that point do you so you can't have you know a strong employee without a strong leader and teacher <laughs> the face here, here goes the face here from goes. Sarah <laughs> so really it's you know you said what you wanted done and and you know how, how this is how I like the presentations to go this is how the sales psychology works and I have done sales presentations myself. I've given them at different times over my time here. So that's the thing I like about helping the um, coaching students with the audibles. What they don't know, they don't know. So for example, if they make a series of nine images of the 90-year-old grandparents and they're hugging and kissing and you know snuggling and doing all that stuff, that is really nice, but we can say, Often in our experience when, you know, great grandparents come in, they're, they're less focused on having large images of themselves on the wall. They want to spend more of their um, time and money with portraits of their grandkids, their families, their legacy, that kind of a thing. And if you, you know, haven't been doing this for this length of time, you just haven't really figured that out or learned that yet just through experience. So it is really nice to be able to share the knowledge that we have gained just from doing this for so long with them. People are asking, what does your work week schedule look like? And I think that's, it's interesting because it's changed over the years and now we're in a pandemic. So we have definitely an interesting view on this. 
Well, like Sarah mentioned, I started right out of college, so I was maybe 21, and in January of 2007, that's when I started full-time, so it was your typical 8 to 5, 9 to 5 work week, and as time went on, I got married, and we talked about how Sarah could provide flexibility and security when it was time for me to, you know, have children with the family first model. That is really um, something that obviously was very important to me. So when I had my first child, he'll be 10 in May, 10 years ago, I did sort of reduce my hours for sure. And I was able to go and do things like library um, story time and music class and all that fun stuff. Got to help out at preschool. I helped out at the elementary school for a long time. So that my schedule was sort of cut back at that time. And here we are, 2021. <laughs> um, in 2020, you know, in the fall, that is when my, I have two kids and my youngest was set to go to kindergarten. So for basically since the day he was born, Sarah and Aaron were just, you know, we're so excited for when he goes to kindergarten. And, you know, they used to joke, can he go now? He's pretty smart. Just send him. He's four. They won't know. And so I was also very excited for him to go to kindergarten for me to, you know, get back on track and be here more with clients and with our coaching students. And then I don't know if you guys know about this. There was a pandemic. And so they closed all the schools. So um, there was a lot of emotions around, <laughs> around scrambling to find childcare and, and nannies and um, at-home schooling, so which is still happening in my uh, household. So right now, it's sort of a hybrid between full-time and, you know, my part-time when they were toddlers, babies, preschool. Good question. It kind of leads into that. Um, do you ever get overwhelmed? Well, this is kind of overwhelming <laughs> being on the podcast. Um, not really, but again, just to, you know, talk about the strong leadership you know, as the leader, you set the tone for what's going to be happening in your business or in, you know, anything in your family. Sarah, she is who you guys see. She doesn't come in one day and she's freaking out and she's slamming doors and throwing stuff everywhere um, in a panic, which then would obviously send others around her into a panic. So overwhelm is not really something that I struggle with, luckily. But it also, I think, comes with, you know, I've been doing this for so long that I have a good routine and I can manage it. Yeah, and we always say here, there's no such thing as a portrait emergency. So at the end of the day, like we do have some busy days. We do have some stressful days where it's like, okay, we've we've committed to put a lot of things in a day that probably should have been spread over two days. Um, I know that I'm guilty of doing that sometimes, but we have to remember we're not we're not you know heart surgeons. Someone's not going to die today if we if we drop a ball or mess something up. And so um, we try to keep that perspective here a little bit. And hard work has never scared Sarah or myself and, and um, you know, doing what needs to be done to get the job done. In college, I have a studio art degree, a BFA, so I am uh, very accustomed to, you know, your, your critiques at 8 a.m. the next day. If you need to stay in the art building all night and <laughs> until it gets done, I've done that many times, so that doesn't freak me out. I'll do what needs to be done to get it done. A lot of people asked questions who want to have a studio manager. And from a mindset perspective, this question came in that's kind of interesting. Why do you believe that this job as being a studio manager is the perfect job for you? And I, I kind of want to answer it too for you, but I want to hear your answer first. Well, and I think the other question within this question that people have, maybe don't ask me, but why don't you just go and do this yourself? <laughs> why don't you just go be Sarah Petty? 
owning you know a business that was never something that I had a drive to do it was just never really on my radar in fact in college I originally thought I would go be um, an art teacher and then I realized I had to wake up at like 7 a.m every day so decided that wasn't for me and part of becoming a business owner and an entrepreneur is there is sort of something you have to again be a strong leader like Sarah is that's not something I ever really saw myself as so it doesn't you know and again if you believe in your leader you believe in the mission I am more than happy to do what I can to support that so it just it really never was something that um, I thought I wanted to go and do and I still don't want to do (laughs) there's also something that I love about being in a creative field where I can have flexibility. You know, we have this awesome studio building here and I get to spend time here with my family on the weekends. And um, I can do, my my children's school is like literally two minutes away. So one day when they're back in school, you know, I can always go do something there if I need to. And um, there's, there's a great value in that more than just maybe the monetary thought of becoming a business owner. I think I said I wanted to kind of answer for you, but I think it's people always are asking, why doesn't Andrea leave you and go out? And, you know, just knowing Andrea, she is such a happy person. She's happy to get to come here and be creative. And and I think she likes the variety because we do, we have the studio and we have Joy of Marketing. She's a good writer. She's a good leader too. She says she's not a good leader, but... But Andrea gets to work on some big projects, right? Being an entrepreneur, like especially for a few years, you struggle, you don't get to do the cool stuff, but we have some big parties and events for our students and she is like, got a gift there. She party plans, She's she like literally hires ice cream trucks and I hired Abe Lincoln for one thing. And so she gets to use a lot of different skills. And I think for me as, as a leader, um, I like to find people's skills and create their jobs so that most of what they're doing is in their natural ability, right? Like I could make Andrea Andrea crunch numbers and she would absolutely do it, but she would go home in tears every night (laughs) because I know that's not what she loves, right? She's not a numbers person. She married one, which is good, right? Maybe your children will have a little of both sides of the brain there, but, but, um, but I know what makes her happy and I know she likes the balance, like you're not sitting there retouching for eight hours a day like that. I think that would be hard too. So I think I'm always trying to look at, I mean, not hundred percent of anyone's job is going to be perfect, but I think we're kind of good as a company at really putting people in a, a challenging role that gives them variety and flexibility and, and that they can have fun with. Well, and one thing you kind of alluded to, Sarah, this is something you have said is that um, everybody has their seat on the bus. So you know, how my, how this career started out, it looks a lot different than it did at that time. And I think what happens when people want to move on, it's because something has become stagnant and nothing here is ever stagnant. You know, things are are changing all the time in good ways. And I get to be a part of all of that. It's, it's not like I'm in the corner and I get things generally like we're doing this now, we're doing this now. It's always a conversation what can you do? What do you want to do? What sounds like you'd be interested in doing this? And I think if you're trying to hire a studio manager or employee and you're spending a lot of time from a place of fear of like, what if they just take all this and leave? What if, what if, what if? Then I think you're really missing out on energy, mental energy that could be spent pouring into that person and helping them to um, find what they're good at you know, help them grow in that way and see what you guys can all do together. 
I love that. You can answer this one very quickly and short, but someone wants to know what you love about me as a boss. Nothing like asking for compliments, but they're asking from the perspective of being a boss, right? Like what, what does an employee love about, or what, are the, what, what do you like about that? And you kind of answered it a little bit, but is there anything else, anything else great that you want to say about me? Well, that's an easy one, Sarah. The number one thing is the anthropology hand-me-downs. <laughs> Sarah has to have a lot of outfits for all her different videos and you know photos and um, trainings that we do. So some things don't stay in her closet too long, and then they land on my desk. And, uh, and sometimes they land in my friend's hand-me-down bags, too. I sent a text the other day. I had an outfit on. I sent him a picture, and I said, this is from the Sarah Petty collection. And then a couple of them were like, yeah, I, I love this sweater I got from the Sarah Petty collection. <laughs> Also, I think it's really important to build up trust over time and to train your new employees early on and to not let, you know, if some if there's an issue, don't just let it. It won't get better, you know, if there's a problem, if you just ignore it. So just coming from a place of kindness and, you know, hey, let me help you. Let's get this corrected. And then once they're, you know, they have it set, they're ready to go. You don't need to continue <laughs> to micromanage and hang over. I mean, Sarah just, she kind of, we have our own lanes that we work in and we cross paths and, and I'll do my work and she'll do hers and then we'll communicate on what needs to be communicated on. And that is a, just a really great atmosphere where you can feel like you um, can do what you need to do without too much oversight. Yeah, I think too, one of the things that really helped us was coming up with our core values and being really clear on that when we hired people. So really hiring for a cultural fit versus just a skill set, because someone could be a great retoucher and a real jerk <laughs> and they drive you crazy and they're hard to be around and they're negative. And then your whole world is changed when there's just one of you and you're adding another person, even if they're part-time, there needs to be a good groove together. And one of our core values here, we have 10 of them, but one of them is open communication. And that's really important to me. I think coming from a sports background, I knew that if you have one person on the team who's talking bad about others or being a real jerk, it affects the whole team. And so we've always talked about that. And one day I came in and I was in a fizz, you know, I had another employee or two along with Andrea and they were all working everybody's working working and I came in and I was like hey you guys I have this idea and hey I need you to do this and you to do this and you to do this and okay and then I left you know I'm thinking oh they're they're gonna be so excited about this project like me when in reality that's not what happened and a little bit later I got a text from Andrea and she said hey I think you um stepped on you know the toes of this other person maybe you could find a reason to um you know call back and just make nice she said you know she's been working she had her whole day scheduled and it just that kind of messed up her day. And here's Andrea, this kid right out of college, could have sat there with this person and talked about, oh, Sarah's so insensitive. Sarah's, you know, being so, so thoughtless and just cares about herself or whatever. And instead she texted me so that I could fix the problem. Right. And I found a reason to call back. And I was like, Hey, by the way, I know I came in, I'm super sorry. I threw all these projects at you. And she said, yeah, you know, and kind of explained why I had upset her. And she was like, thank you so much for calling. I feel so much better. I thought you wanted that done today. And, and we, I was able to make nice. And I just, I, I knew right then that Andrea was such a keeper because, um, 
it was so consistent with our core values and I knew to have a good team like that could have wasted two days of all of our emotional energy <laughs> when she just stepped up like a grown adult and texted me which had to be hard to do right I was older than her I was the boss but I want to have that relationship with my team right and I have to be willing to accept that and I think sometimes that's hard for people right well I'm the boss I'm supposed to be perfect and if I show them I'm not perfect it's going to all fold when in reality I tell them I'm not perfect and you're going to find that out sooner than later now that you're going to be working here but I want you to know that I you know I want to know these things and I want to hear these things and I was able to make nice in that situation and we all got to move on with our day and it didn't take a bunch of of emotional energy and I think seriously that experience with Andrea probably 13 years ago has allowed me to create that culture and really reinforce it in my communities because all of that was avoided. A whole big blow up was avoided because of how she handled that situation. And I'm forever grateful for that. And one other thing that made me uh, think of is the term boss. You said the term boss. And I think like our words have meaning and power. And one, you have a sports background, obviously, Sarah, and you have really always come at everything. Even when we were a team of two people, three people, <laughs> um, that we're a team, it was never really like you're on you know, the high pedestal and we're down here. And something that I, you know, in preparing for this that I was thinking about as someone who just came out of college and started working full time, when we would go places and, you know, we'd be in a store because we would, you know, again, we're, we would occasionally go out and like, let's go to this store and, and walk around and just keep in people's mind. We're, you know, always working our our relationships with other business owners is Sarah would say, this is my coworker. She works with me. It was never like, here's my assistant. Here's my employee. She just did a really great job. And you still do of making me feel like I'm not just like the hired help, you know? Oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> That's how I feel though. And sometimes a client, like a new client will come in and they'll be like that assistant of yours. And I'll play so dumb. Like I don't, assistant oh Andrea oh my studio manager you know like it almost offends me when people think that she's an assistant I'm like oh she runs the company <laughs> she's like the boss and uh but it, it is true that words do have power and I think I think I you know having worked at Coca-Cola where it was so hierarchical if that's even a word where it's like this person's the boss of these people is very competitive and I just felt like I don't like that. I don't want a plaque on the door. I don't want this title. Like we're just all in this together and we have to help each other. And for the first like 10 years that we worked together, we literally sat in the same windowless room about 10 feet apart from each other. And, and this was, we'd talk on the phone, we'd do everything we need to do. We'd work, we'd turn around, we'd chit chat. So I think just that closeness that we, um, it just it, by design, it's still there, even though we do have a door between us now, which I do kind of like, because you are a chatty, chatty lady. <laughs> you can still hear me. I talk so loud, doors won't yeah. stop me. <laughs> doors can't keep us apart, Andrea. <laughs> it also helps in terms of the, you know, I'm not someone who has a lot of personal ego chips on my shoulder or anything like that. So occasionally we would joke around and be like, oh, this person thinks I'm the, I'm the, I'm the assistant. It's like, whatever, I don't care. Cause I know, I know who I am and what I do and the value I bring. And I know Sarah recognizes that. So it's not something that has bothered me. Let's talk about screw ups because often you're the frontline man, whether I screw up or you screw up. And I know we had some questions about that. Like, do you, you know, do you take that home? Do you stress out about it? Um, how does it impact your life? Um, because both of us have made mistakes, right? And you're usually the one that has to handle it or does handle it 
um, simply because we're running fast and often if it's a smaller thing, it's you have those skills and you're comfortable doing that. I never just dump on you, Andrew, go fix this big mess if I don't think you're capable of doing it. And let's face it, none of us love that. But talk a little bit about that, will you? Because we know we screw up like everybody does. And it's funny, if you're gonna screw up once on a client's order, it's gonna be like eight times on the same client's order. There's just some law of that. So I don't know, does that stuff bother you? Talk about that a little. Well, I've been doing it long enough that there are screw ups that Sarah Petty doesn't even know about because I just make them go away or I solve the problem myself, whatever needs to happen. But early on, it was, again, the environment was never like, if you mess up, there's going to be big problems. If you have that kind of environment, then you're not, your, your employees, your coworkers, they're not going to come to you and say, hey, help me, help me with this. We need to fix something, so let's talk about it. So just getting after it right away and uh, doing your best to be open with the, you know, the people, the client, whomever this, this screw up was involved with and um, making a plan to make it right for them and just doing everything in your power to make sure that they are happy. Yeah, Andrea, I think that's something you're really good at. And for those of you thinking about a studio manager, it, I might ask those questions like, pretend you just screwed up my order. Let's talk about it. You have to deliver that bad news. Um, but one of the things I love the book, um, dig the well before you're thirsty. Um, Andrea does a really good job at that. She is so great with our clients. Literally, they see us as equals. They see us as partners. They see us as a team. Don't you think, Andrea? Like they'll be like Sarah and Andrea. They send Christmas cards to Sarah and Andrea. If they bring a gift to me, they bring a gift to Andrea. Like that's how close they are with her. And um, she talks to them. She gives them love through the whole process. So when there is a screw up, like... I don't know. It's just there's the, the well's got water in it, right? So she can go take a dip out and usually they're they're fine with it. But I think both of us both of us feel bad when we make a mistake and so we don't let it sit. We just pretty much let's get it, let's figure out what happened, how do we fix it and let's go tell the client. And usually it's not nearly as bad as what we thought. They're fine with it and they're happy that we're fixing it. We're not it, we're not surgeons. This is not a portrait emergency. Let us fix it. We'll fix it. And one thing that you know, I hope that everyone who's considering hiring people or has already hired them is Sarah has never made it seem like, oh, if you order a print wrong, we got to pay for that twice. Like that's obviously going to put pressure on your staff. And it that sort of will, it could lead to them putting out work that is not the best that you would like to have out in the community on your client's walls. So um, if I need to order something four times <laughs> to get it right, that's just what we have to do. Yeah, we have to do it. We just don't tell Sarah Petty. That's right. We do, that's the other part. We do it. We just don't tell Sarah Petty. Like the the four prints in the in my office right now, because there's just some. You know, there's sometimes there's just a little issue with. Sometimes that happens, but that's why we're boutique, right? Because I don't exactly. have to lose sleep thinking how are we going to pay for those three extra prints that yeah. Andrea is getting now for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> wrapped up so nice okay so I'm gonna do some rapid fire okay. questioning at you what is your favorite prop my favorite prop um I like anything that is I'm a big vintage person so we occasionally would go to auctions vintage shops find cool stuff cool old stuff that's unique chairs are always good love a ottoman a puffy ottoman type thing you could sit on fluffy rug those are always really great. 
Do you drink a lot of caffeine to keep up with me? <laughs> Actually, I didn't start drinking coffee until I was 30 and had my second child. And I said, you know what? I should probably start drinking coffee because I have two of these things in my house. So <laughs> I didn't drink coffee until then. So there were many years of no coffee. Um, but again, those were more of like my youthful early 20s. So I think that's probably why I could keep up with her. You're awesome, Andrea, too, because you don't get riled up. Like if ever I'm, you know, oh, I have all these ideas and I'm kind of hot. You're just always so steady. And my husband's that way, too. Maybe that's maybe you were both put in my life for a reason because you put a couple of me in a room. It might get a little crazy. Is your hair naturally curly? No, Sarah forces me to go get perms once a month <laughs> <laughs> so we can both have curly hair. It is actually naturally curly and it is just kind of a funny coincidence that Sarah's is as well so sometimes we have hair chat curly hair chat and um, that's why so many of the things about how we work together it's like it's almost like this was just do you ever feel like things were just created and you're just going through it like it's just we were put together a little bit of two puzzle pieces put together it's just how it just how it worked out it is, and, and a lot of it is because Andrea came on that job shadow day and we just kept having her back, right? It wasn't this just moment of like, hey, you're interviewing, I'm going to hire you. I did that the first time and it didn't last <laughs> only two weeks and I felt terrible. So it's it really kind of grew organically. But something else I liked about Andrea is that she hadn't had a bunch of jobs. She was young and we could mold her to fit into our culture, right? Versus people who came from a bad culture and they want to do different things that just didn't align. And so I do think there's something cool about that. She kind of grew up here um, and she's amazing. Like sometimes I go to her for advice. I think she's the, <laughs> the adult. Okay, so if you were sitting and talking with someone who's growing their photography business and they're ready to kind of hire a first employee or like an intern who could maybe work into an employee, a part-time person who they'd like to work into full-time, and you were giving them advice on, you know, from your perspective of some things they can do to really make the experience great for you and to really get a great person, what, what kind of things would you sort of tell them? Well, first off, I guess the first thing I think about, again, as I started as someone who was um, just turned 21 as a college intern, is don't count out young people. Um, I think if you've met other teenagers and college kids and you think, oh, I don't know, how are they going to be in the workplace? Keep going until you, you find somebody like our other fabulous um, current you know, college and high school workers that you click with and has a maturity level. Hire slow. The internship is a really nice time to, and, and again, just to be clear too, I was not a free intern. <laughs> so I do believe in, in paying people you know, what they're worth. So um, that gave us a lot of time to see how things work together, how, how we got along. It's, it's a really great trial period. And setting clear tasks and boundaries. So think about your needs and tell them what the needs are. See if, what they're interested in, what they feel like they could be good at. Lying out. I think if people worry that employees are going to leave them, you know, rather than sitting and worrying about that, a better plan would be to create a, a growth path for them and let them know, you know, you don't have to ha sit down and have a big meeting, but you can, you know, occasionally say, this is what I'm thinking for this next year. And this is the roles that I would like to see you in. What do you think about that? Those are the things that are going to retain your employees for a long time because no one really wants to be in a, a stagnant job. 
I want to jump in here because a lot of some people ask questions about how do you you know incentivize them what bonuses things like that and I think that's the assumption of everybody is that it's all about money and one of my values like I'm not trying to get the cheapest person for the cheapest amount right when we have a good year we share in that um, and that's more my philosophy right I want to pay well um, what the market is or higher than what the market pays but not everybody's driven by money. Like, can you talk a little bit about that, Andrea, as you're going through your list from an employee's perspective? Like, what's, what gets you excited about this job other than money? <laughs> <laughs> the teamwork, you know, what we do for our clients and what we do for our coaching students keep you going. The culture, it's all of that. The open communication. I have always been a person who is loyal and you know I'm the person who still talks to the friends from uh, elementary school my husband is uh, we dated in high school and you know we're we're still together for oh gosh coming up on 13 14 I, <laughs> I don't know but I keep calling him your boyfriend that is true that is that is the problem with Sarah Petty is she will she can freeze you at whatever age she first meets you and she'll call your husband of 13 years your boyfriend in front of people that becomes awkward sometimes (laughs) you know Sarah like I said she wants to make sure everyone's happy in their seat on the bus and they're in the best seat for them and if there's something that you want to do more of or you want you need more training and education on um, I mean Sarah's all about education it's what we do and it's what she lives and breathes so um, always providing that to help them continue to grow is a great incentive as well and my last thought too about hiring And this is something that we, Sarah and I have done for a long time is we look within our network for people. I think hiring doesn't always just start with going to like a website and putting up an ad. In fact, we have done that. And I don't even know if we've ever had retained any person who ever came from like an ad in that way. So I think it's sort of like, you know, what we tell everyone, look within your network for potential clients and, you know, marketing partners. Do that same thing when it's time to hire an employee. You don't have to hire, I'm not saying you have to hire your best friend, you know, that could not go well. But you think about who you know, who could fit the needs you have, ask around people you trust. Do you know anybody who might want to come in and meet and talk and learn about the job? That's, I think, personally going to get you better leads than just ads. And hire somebody fun. <laughs> Always have fun. I'm it also just helps when you like the same snacks. So pizza and Reese's over here. Yep, yep. Those are our snacks of choice, right? We we like a little pizza. We do some popcorn. Mm-hmm. We try to stay away from Reese's. But sometimes they sneak into the building. Sometimes they do. Well, thanks, Andrea, for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I think for anybody who's wanting an Andrea, um, it starts by keeping your radar up and looking for those talented young people, looking for a friend of a friend who maybe his youngest went to kindergarten and they've been out of the job market. They're creative and they, they want a little time. As a rule of thumb, your business can justify about 10% of your gross sales toward an employee. So if you do that math, as you're just growing, that's not a lot. That's not a lot. I hired my first full-time employee when I was at $235,000. So before that, I had to have part-time and some interns and different things like that. So your interns and your your part-time people can really help you grow your business and hopefully, like Andrea, grow into a really important part of your business. So I'm cheering for you, and I just want to let you know that you can't have my Andrea. (laughs) 
that's all that's all there is to it she's mine and i'm not sharing her but i'm happy to share um, her awesomeness and her ideas and um, share her with you on this podcast and uh, hope this inspires you to go mentoring some young people and putting yourself out there in the market because you never know when you're going to come across your own andrea Hey photographer, it's Sarah again with a quick question for you. Do you ever wonder why some photographers make $300 a session and others make $3,000? I know I did. So I dug deep into what's going on and I wrote a book for you called Worth Every Penny. You can get a free copy at joyofmarketing.com forward slash free book. Inside this book, you'll learn four ways to price your photography and why there's just one pricing strategy that attracts the best clients. What to do when you need clients and why paying for ads doesn't work and what to do instead that's way cheaper. The do's and don'ts of social media, what most photographers are doing wrong that lowers their profits and what to do instead. I'm not sure there's a book on the planet that more photographers have read. 23,124 photographers have it already, so I want you to have it too. Grab your copy of the hardcover book free here. Just pay a little for shipping and handling at joyofmarketing.com forward slash free book.